0: glad at the beginning of the service that as Leslie asked for uh, how many's asleep in the place that there was a few that declared that they were excited to be here and happy to be here and last week we talked about being unhappy and God wants us to be happy amen as Phil Robertson says happy I like his way of explaining that Being happy is a decision. It's a decision that you make. But last week we talked about how that unhappiness is on the rise in the world as a whole. And that people are Searching for happiness through change and change in this world. But really, we need to understand that that happiness is not going to come through the world. So if you're unhappy in this place today, the first thing I need you to do is just look at your neighbor and declare that you're going to be happy. So just look at him, smile real big, say, I'm going to be happy. I'm deciding to be happy. I'm declaring myself to be happy. Last week we talked about Curious George and how in my childhood I uh, read the book and Curious George had, uh, had eaten up a piece of the puzzle and caused him some grief and some pain. But also, at the same time, curiosity is something that we can look at in a godly way that we need to be curious about the things of God. And if we're going to be curious, let's be curious searching scripture to find out how to apply it to our life. We talked about how the disciples in Matthew 18, when they was asking Jesus, it's a text of what we're doing in this series talking about childish ways and unhappiness. I'll just read it to you, Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It said, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, i tell you the truth, unless you turn from all your sins and become like this little child, You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So the disciples were curious as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and anytime we search for selfish gain, or Jesus called it filthy lucre, or things that he told us not to pay attention to, it always leads to sorrow. We can have dreams about what we would think would make us happy or make our sadness diminish, but in reality, if the things are of this world then it always brings about hopelessness, because in our search for happiness, when we obtain worldly goods, it usually makes us more sad. How many ever bought a new vehicle, and it's something, maybe not even a brand new car, but a new-to-you car, and you was just dreaming and relishing in getting a new vehicle or a new car and something was really thinking, man, this is something special and you never really see them around much and you wanted to be different and set apart and set out, you know, where the, you would be the one with the cool new car. And you go out and you find that car and you buy that car and when you sit down in the seat, the new smell and just the, you know those car lots, they're professional at that. If there's any car salesman in the room, I apologize, but they will hook you with the new car smell. You can actually go to AutoZone or CarQuest or any of those places and buy it and spray it in your car. And just take your old car and spray some spray in it and let that be the new smell for you, it'll work. But then you drive down the road and then within the next few weeks, everywhere you drive, you begin to look and you see that those cars are everywhere. It's the same color. It looks just like the one you have. And for some reason now that it's your car, you notice them everywhere. And the newness wears off pretty quick, doesn't it? Actually, you can wear the newness off really quick. I had a little car recently. I loved it, a little Buick, and was driving it around and just enjoying my little Buick. And it's about like driving a golf cart, really. is, really little, of little Encores. Pretty awesome car. And Leslie sells everything I get, so I can't keep anything. And uh, drove it to Mom's and Dad's, and they borrowed it for a day or two because both their cars was broke down, and Dad was driving a dump truck get groceries and I tell them that Leslie's going to sell it because I wasn't allowed to keep it and mom ends up buying it well actually dad does but mom's the one with it and over to camping trip it's a new to them car which what model is it 2000 2017 so it's pretty new to the carrier family especially when dad drives a 1979 Bonneville and 1949 truck. So 17's really new and they're driving it over there and dad takes his, I think it's a 92 Chevy he's got, that one truck and pulls her 1959 camper over to camp at the camping trip, the church camping trip. And mom comes over in the 17 car and decides to back into the parking spot And somehow she ends up into the side of that little brown post and takes the side out of the car. So the new wore off pretty quick on the little Buick for mom. But she's just happy because it's got air conditioner. Amen. Uh, Amen. How many likes a car with air conditioner? If you ever drove one without, you'll be grateful when you get one that does have it. So mom has the air conditioning, it makes her happy because she can drive down the road. And she was bragging there the other day, the cruise even works. So, <laughs> like uh, when she's used to. And how many years was it, Mom? You drove the other car that didn't have air. The window didn't roll down. Um, brake lights worked half the time. Is so she's living the dream. But the newness is wearing off pretty quick. But she's happy for the moment. And pretty soon, it'll be where that the new will completely wear off. And then she'll be telling dad how unhappy she is with her 2017 Buick. But Jesus' disciples here is saying, and this is new to them. They had grown up with their mom and dad living in a house, and their mom and dad was teaching them the Jewish customs and the Jewish ways. These were all Jewish people. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus performs miracles. He turns water into wine at a wedding feast. He heals people that are blind, that all of a sudden can see. They had witnessed a miracle of a guy with a withered hand that Jesus touched that instantly he was made whole. They had watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They had witnessed him go into that little girl that had that had died, and the father had told him, "Just turn around. There's no need going to go into my house." And Jesus goes to the house anyway, and Jairus's daughter raises to the dead from the dead. They had witnessed miracles that Jesus performed. And they had become so commonplace that the newness of miracles had wore off. And they returned back to their natural state of wanting more. I don't know about you, but after witnessing this last couple weeks, the people down in eastern Kentucky that have lost everything they have, don't need to gripe about needing more. And sometimes those realities hit us in the face and we realize that God has blessed us with so much. Is there anybody in here who believes that? I've been blessed with more than I deserve. It's a gift that God has given us to live in a land of the free and the home of the brave. And it's so commonplace to us because we've grown that it's just normal. But there's people all over this globe that doesn't have the freedoms that we enjoy. When the missionaries come in, often they'll tell us the stories of those. A few years ago, one missionary come in and he talked about how that when he took the Uh, to the one tribe out there that he had got into this home and they'd run electricity over there and they got a solar panel and put up and they run one wire into the house and had one light bulb and the guy was in awe that when the sun goes down and darkness encompasses the place that there was still an ability to be able to see with the power of one light bulb. When was the last time we was thankful for something as simplistic as a light bulb? My sister was gripping at me about it a while ago because she came in. And they tried to sneak in late because it was going to be dark, you know. And the, But they're working on the new lights in the gymnasium or in the auditorium here. And we have to keep the lights on the way they are. And there's you're in the focal point back there. Everybody turn around. There's my sister Wave Netta. There's Hi, Netta. No attention to you or anything, but just... But in reality, how thankful are we? And in the grand scheme of things, when God looks down upon us, I'll just call us this, we're spoiled brats. We all got childish ways, don't we? Pretty unhappy with so much. God wants to change that. He wants us to begin... To remember the freedom that he brought us through his son Jesus. And if you're sitting in this room today and you've given him your sins. You've trusted him with your life. And you said, I place my trust and hope in you Jesus. And salvation came and the burden of sin lifted off your shoulders. We ought to be in awe of that that I, a sinner, can be saved and destined towards heaven because Jesus paid for my sins. I've been washed clean. Why? Because God chose to send His Son when He didn't have to. And He chose for sinners to inherit heaven. So today I want to talk about this childish ways last week we talked about curiosity and today I want us to talk about the awe and the wonder because when a missionary spoke about that little guy that was sitting in a mud hut that he had built that every day when darkness come he went in and he'd just go to sleep because there was no light to be had. And the awe and the splendor that he looked upon that light bulb. The wow factor. How can this be that I can see at night time? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And I don't know about you, but after accepting him, it's like a light bulb comes on for us in our walk. That now we can see in the midst of darkness that I can still see. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And what Leslie was talking about during dark times and spiritual darkness that happens in your life, you need to keep the light on. And that light is Jesus. And the words that they're singing aren't just words, but when you go through a situation or a circumstance and it seems like the enemy is coming upon you and he's darkening your area of life, what are you going to do? Speak Jesus. Because when Jesus happens, light comes on, and then you can see things in a different way that you haven't saw them before. Awe! Ah, how long has it been since you were in awe of God? Merriam-Webster describes awe as an emotion. It's about wonder. That is inspired by the authority, by the sacred. The Psalmist David writes this in Psalm 65. For the choir director, a song, a psalm of David. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you. Have you ever promised God anything? God, if you do this, I'll do that. How good are you at keeping your word? For, your, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Savior, you are the hope of everything on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shoutings of nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe at the ends and the awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. King David had saw many afflictions. He had saw times that the nation of Israel that he didn't choose to be king of Israel. God anointed him king of Israel. His father had placed him as a shepherd of sheep. And he was the son that was ruddy and red-headed. And he, he was not able to be out with the older brothers. And kind placed to the side. And the father, when the prophet came to search out and say, Jesse, somebody in your house is going to be anointed king today, one of your sons. And he brought his sons from the eldest to the youngest. And he didn't even bring David to the party. The oldest son comes up, and the prophet Samuel says, "Nah, not him. And he goes down through the list, no, not him. No, not him. And he gets all the way the last one that's standing there at the party. No, it's not that one either. Surely you have another son. Yeah, he's the one out in the mountains with the sheep. And scripture teaches us that they go out and get this little younger brother that didn't mean that much to anybody else. And they bring him in. And they bring him before the prophet. And the prophet says this. Is the one. And it says that he poured the oil over his head and he was anointed the king of Israel as a child. Because God wants us to live with an awe of his wonders, that our ways are not his ways, that our way of viewing situations is not his way of viewing situations. And sometimes the things that we think that he ought to do are things that he shouldn't do. We give him our two cents and our prayers our prayers of wishing our ways or wishing what I desire or wishing my will to happen. But I don't know about you, but I was pretty guilty of making a mess of my life prior to salvation. Amen? Why do I want to bring my ways into my Christianity? Why do I want to bring my will into my Christianity? I come to God to get fixed. I didn't come to fix God. We ought to be in awe and wonder at the glory of God, and His ways are not our ways, and it doesn't make sense, and He's going to ask you to do some things, and you're going to think, I don't believe that for right now. It don't seem like that ought to be the way this is done. But guess what? God is asking you to do it because His will will accomplish things that you don't think are possible. And if you're sitting in this place today and you think God can't use you, be like David. Keep, keep him the sheep out on the side of those hillsides because God finds favor in those that are not glorious according to this world's standards. You may be sitting here to say, no, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. I, I don't know. You better watch out because God will get you. He'll choose you. He'll call you out from amongst them and separate you for his own glory. How long has it been since you were in awe of God that you' looked on the hillside and you looked up into the moon and the stars and you were awestruck by what God was doing. The earth is filled with His splendor. He created this, this beautiful, this majestic. It's all him. Put up the, I think it's the next one. The whole earth is filled. It's your wonders. Next picture. I didn't ask for permission to use this picture. I'm glad Tom's not here today so I don't have to get beat up. But this picture was burned into my image in my brain from years ago. This was several years ago, actually. And If any of you know, Lisette and Andrea, they're kind of ate up with Disney. They take more trips to Disney in a year's time than I make trips to Vanceburg. (laughs) And that's okay, because they love it. But when they go down there and they take their grandbabies and their granddaughters down there and what they love is to see the awe and the wonder in their kids' eyes. And I've been there, but I didn't get to go until I was an adult. So when I went, it looked like a bunch of rubbish to me. But when you go as a little feller, I mean literally... The gaze in that kid's eyes. It defines the way that I want to look upon God. That I'm simply amazed at how good he is to me. And in that sense of awe, it's really a sense that you can't even speak. There's not even words to describe the goodness of God. When we're in awe and wonder of God, it's, it's like words can't do justice to the goodness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants us to gaze upon Him and the beauty of of creation and the splendor, according to King David's Psalm, of his goodness and his forgiveness of our sins, and the beauty of everything that he has arranged for us. This is trip, right? I think Tom's mask says it all. <laughs> the older we get, the more calloused we get. In the New Testament, it says that our conscience can be seared as a with a hot iron and if you ever touched something that was kind of hot, or if you go to the Mexican restaurant and they hand you that thing, say hot plate, and then they hand it to you, <laughs> when you're a little kid and they tell you as an adult they'll say, "Don't touch that, burn the baby." What's the kids going to do? We're going to touch it, right? Kind of like yesterday, we went to the Brown Family Reunion. Thanks, Earl. Food was good. Company was good. If you need me to come to your reunion, I'll come as well. Just let me know where there's food. I'll be there. So as kids, you try to tell them, you know, to not not touch it. Don't touch that. It's going to burn you. But their curiosity gets them, doesn't it? Because they're in awe and wonder of, well, really, what is that? It has to be something really good if they're trying to keep me from it. And as a kid, you'll go over there and you'll burn yourself. Ah! You might learn a lesson that first time. If you're like me, you'll never learn that lesson. you just keep touching it, won't you? I'm one of them kind of kids. So when our conscience can be seared with a hot iron that it's saying, it's whenever we return and continue to do the things that God tells us not to do. And we'll keep touching and keep doing and keep saying and keep speaking and keep living the way we want to live. Even though God has told us specifically and individually, don't do that. Our conscience... It's just like being burned too many times and then the nerves are burnt and then you can't even feel it anymore that you're being burned. But how many believes that we serve a healer? We need our conscience healed so that we quit continuing to walk in the pathway of death. And we stop doing the things that God tells us not to do. And because in our unhappiness, we are just burnt. It's like our conscience is seared with a hot iron. And we're so entrapped by this thing that we're doing. And we continue to walk in sin. And continue to keep doing the thing that God tells us not to do. We need to pray today. God, open my eyes to see your ways and your will in my life. Turn my unhappiness into happiness once again. Allow me to quit being a fuddy-duddy. Amen? If you're not a fuddy-duddy, it's probably the person sitting right there beside of you. You might not want to look over because they know that you're thinking about them right now. Amen? Just smile a little bit. The world is not going to fall apart because you become happy. You might inspire somebody else to become happy. Bubba (laughs) Bubba smiled Our childish ways Jesus says unless you become like this little child You will no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven How many wants to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you better become more childish. We've got to become more like kids. We ought to be awestruck often by the goodness of God that we see Him at work in our lives on a daily occasion. The older we get, the more calloused we get. The less often we can see how good God really is. When you was a kid, you were awestruck by everything. Me and Corey was up here earlier and standing here and little Doc come up and he brought his video game and you know it's a little tablet and he was playing it and turned it on for me, and I was this mouse trying to get some cheese. I didn't get very much cheese. I was running into walls and everything else. I couldn't get the cheese. And I told Corey, I said, you know, if this was Atari and Pac-Man, I could do pretty good with a joystick. I got some practice with that. I'm amazed at how far video games have come since my childhood days. But why is it that the world advances in technology? But the church is stuck in our fuddy-duddy ways. Is it because we're too old and grouchy? Is it because we've lost our sense of awe? Of the goodness of God. Next slide, Leslie. Albert Einstein. He who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead, and his eyes are closed. How long has it been since you have saw God do something magnificent in your life? How long has it been since you were in awe of this goodness to you? Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 is one of my favorite scriptures. It's actually one of the first verses I've ever memorized in my life. This was because mom bought home interior. So, ladies, it's important that you get home interior and hanging in your house. <laughs> Matthew 5 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When we become childlike, what God is telling us and what Jesus was describing to his disciples was, when you become childlike, you go back to your purity. And in that purity, there is a sense of awe. And that awe is like a magnet. So yesterday at the Brown Family Reunion, I was sitting there and sitting in my comfortable chair, and I didn't have to get up once but to get my plate. And Earl had got this big old inflatable thing. It was like I don't know, it was the biggest one you could get, I think. It was bigger in his house. It was like double the height of his house. It's kinda of fun getting to watch a eighteen year old kid, Alex, act like a two year old. I ain't going to mention any names, but somebody I graduated with sitting in the room, too, and she <laughs> took off up the side of it. Giggling, laughing, snorting. Somebody slid down it that said they might have even peed their pants when they come sliding down the slide. I ain't going to mention any names there either. But the beauty of it is that. When we become childlike Happiness just happens When we get back to saying Man, life is so simple And God is so good I am i can't help but being happy I can't help but smile When I think about the good things He's done for me Because in the midst of that I'm telling you When those little babies Are watching you as adults Slide down the slide I watch Zyla over and over The adults was trying to trap her in to say, don't go down there around that slide because she wanted to go down there and get in the water. And it's beautiful because she's just a little kid, you know, and she's just two years old, a little baby. But she was just awestruck by that ginormous slide and watching the adults act like idiots. And she's like, wow, I want to be an idiot too. And she takes off running down over the bank to get to it, and she'd get down there, and the an adult would run down there and get her and carry her back up. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think you're going to be able to keep her from it. And the beautiful part was that Zyla knew, eventually she learned, they don't want me to go there. But she's awestruck by it, and she's going to get there anyway. So she'd come up there for a minute, and she'd take her a couple drinks out of her cup, and she'd look around, and... Kind of sneak over that way. She'd get over there on the gravel. She's barefooted, like all hillbillies from Kentucky, right? And she gets over there, walk through the gravels, and she got through the grass. And she'd turn around and look. And one of them would be like, no, no, no. You know what she'd do? Smile real big, turn around, and beeline. She was down the hill. And it was a beautiful thing watching Jr. have to run down through there and try to get her a time or two. And it was just beautiful watching adults be childlike and see her bring the best out in them can you imagine that that's how god is with us that our heavenly father is standing there watching us just imagine that that big slide is the church and everybody's having a good time and laughing and giggling and having a big old day. And Him looking at us like we're little and running down the hill saying, I'm going to get to it. You may be a new Christian. You may have just given your heart to Jesus last weekend. And you're like that little baby Zyla. And God, the Heavenly Father, is there and He's watching you. And He's preparing a place for us. And He's telling us, be in awe be happy, have joy in your heart, I've prepared a place for you, live in eternity with me. He wants you to be like a child. But the beauty of it was once Zyla got down there so many times, eventually somebody took her up the side of the ladder on this ramp, and they thought, I'm going to fix her now. She's watching everybody else have fun. Who was it that took her up the side of there? Uncle Al? Okay, Alex carried her up, and Natalie took her down. And when she got up on top of there, I'm sure she was in awe of how tall and how high up she was, kind of like Leslie. Leslie got up on top of it and was like, I'm scared. of thought she was joking, but finally she just went. I don't know if anybody got a picture or not, but if you do, of Zyla coming down there on Natalie's lap and once you come flying down off that slide about 50 mile an hour, Joe said her eyes were as big as saucers and just, ah! I think that's what um describing as awestruck that life is faster than we intended to be but you have to go down the slide even if you have to have somebody carry you up there whatever you do participate and God is asking for participation in this room today think about that command Jesus left his disciples with in Matthew 18 unless you turn from your sins and become like little children you're not going to enter heaven what if that would sum up everything that God is saying through the gospels and through his son Jesus he wants you to have fun in this life Won't you stand? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What are you asking God for? childlike faith is a faith that believes that nothing is impossible with God that he can do anything what are you seeking God for are you seeking salvation for a family member standing in this place today and you know that there's sickness in your body and you're seeking healing from our Heavenly Father. Do you drive down our streets and see those that are broken and devastated and hurting they are struggling with Kinds of situations that are happening in their life, you just drive by and say, "God, perform a miracle in that home." like a child and ask in faith believing that that thing that you're asking for that you're going to receive it. Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed is all it takes to see things happen. Heaven and earth shake at His voice and God can fix anything nothing is impossible with him. Stand in awe of him today and see if he will not exceed your expectations. Would you bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, come and God I pray that you would our hearts as a church known as the bridge. And God, for a group of people here in eastern Kentucky, that you would put a childlike faith within us. And God, that you would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to begin to see your goodness is all around us. And God, that you would just awaken our hearts to be able to be thankful for the things that we have that we are so complacent about. The things that you give us that you allow us to possess. Allow us to be thankful, God. Waken our hearts to be in awe of your splendor. God, I pray for the people that's here today, for those watching and those that will listen this week on the podcast, that unholy awe would come upon us as a body. And God, that we would see you. We would see you high and lifted up. Just as the Old Testament prophet said, that your train filled the temple, that your glory was there. God, I pray that your splendor would be all around us. Awaken our hearts to see you in ways that we've been calloused, that our conscience has been seared, God. Bring a newness, bring a childness upon this church. That a holy reverence would be there. That we would be awestruck. That we would be happy. That there would be a joy that others would notice. for every person in this room today. How many in this place has a need today? Needs a healing? How many's got a family member that you can pray for right now? That you'd like to see God save somebody in your family? Amen. Amen. How many's got somebody in your family that's struggling with addictions? That you'd like to see set free? you'd like to be in awe of how God has released them from the bondage of sin. He brings freedom. It'll bring joy to your family once again. I come to you, I'm asking you, allow me to see you in your glory. Let me be awestruck at your goodness upon humanity. Save my family, save my friends, save all those in this community that are hurting, that the enemy is seeking to destroy. But you come to set them free. In Jesus' name, I believe. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. I believe. His grace is plentiful in this place today. God, help us to be all that you've called us to be as a church. Let us be childlike in all of our ways. Father, I pray that you would just release us into our our past this week. Let us talk about you with a newness. With a newfound vigor in our steps, God, that others would say, what's got into you this weekend? What's happened? Why are you so happy? Where is your joy coming from? And let us always say, it comes from my Heavenly Father. And his son named Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love God, love people. Be a blessing to somebody this week.